Welcome back to episode 30 of uh, the Smoking Snake Podcast. I think this may be our first double episode week in quite some time, uh, if not ever. Uh, I am your host, Peter, joined as always by the other host, Enric. Enric, it's a cold, snowy night here in uh, Detroit, but um, lots lots of action warming us up on the field in, in Brazil um so how how are you and uh are you excited to to dive into uh to the world of brazilian football tonight yeah uh i'm doing good i'm very happy as always to talk about brazilian football as you mentioned it's crazy winter snow here so shifting our mind to football gives us that expectation of thinking about the summer times on the other side of the globe so it's good yeah absolutely so uh, let's jump right in, and man, if this match didn't warm you up, I don't know what would. Uh, Santos 2, Corinthians 2. Um, we just had uh, Corinthians in English, aka Fabian, on the podcast last episode. So go back, listen to that. We did a deep dive on Corinthians, and um, and uh, we kind of smoothed over, over this this match um and just kind of mentioned it but wow this game was a absolute barn burner yeah a lot of goals scored something that i would ex- i would have expected maybe one team to score a goal sort of like the last time they matched up against each other and roger gets uh scored in that match uh in this one there's two goals for each team and something that I really enjoyed. Maybe it's not the best result for Santos, but a tie I mentioned last week is pretty much all we need because we're heading to the end of Campeonato Paulista and with all the points that we could get, hopefully we advance to the next round. So in this game, Santos, in my opinion, played really attacking football, especially in the beginning. It was a very high intensity match and even though we had the chances, it's Corinthians that got back with the first attack and really challenged Joe Paulo and forced him to make spectacular saves after a shot from Giuliano. A couple minutes later, Yuri uh, scores goals, and originally it was called offside, but then I agree with the referee because the player, although he didn't touch the ball, was originally in an offside position and forced our defender to move in uh, directions that typically a player wouldn't do if the player wasn't there so it is offside but then the thing that bothers me the most is that like this Gabi goal situation all the Meninos Davilas uh, they, they are young players play for Santos and then okay they either go to Europe or go to another Brazilian club so I don't know why they keep celebrating like psychos uh, Gabi Gold did it a couple of months ago and then it's Yuri Alberto who goes and crazy celebrates to the Santos fans. And it's something that I don't agree on. Yeah, I'm with you there completely. And especially these players that 
you didn't leave in bad circumstances. It's one thing if you leave and people are angry and there's there's bad feelings and resentment. But when you just leave like Yuri did to go to a different team or for for, for financial reasons from Santos, I, I don't think it's right that that you celebrate it. And 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 if you do, you know, definitely not at the you know the Santos's stadium. Um, maybe in front of your own fans, a little more forgivable. Um, but yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And I didn't like that when, when Gabrielle did that. Um, and yeah, you see it often. And, and I'd like to imagine that these, these players have a lot of respect and, and good feelings about the, the club that, that launched their, their career. But, um, and I'm sure they do, but I just, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think it's a little disrespectful, um, but yeah, like you said, that, uh, that first goal offside. And I think that there was a lot of people on, I saw on Twitter that were pretty upset about that. And it's just one of those things that you've got to understand the rule and, uh, that player from an offside position impacted the play and, and, and thus it was offside. So I don't have a problem with that. Um, but unfortunately, uh, we, we're able to keep Yuri off the, the score sheet that time. Uh, you can't keep him down for long. Uh, he scores, um, I believe it's from a corner or from a free kick uh, along the side of the pitch. Um, it goes to VAR again, uh, but this time it's confirmed. Yeah, and we were hoping that it wasn't going to be confirmed again. Uh, sort of like a double chance for Santos, but wasn't meant to be. And the goal was loud. If he didn't have the chance to fully celebrate the first time, he did it this time with his first goal. And that's when Santos started coming back. And I hate seeing this as well. Uh, we fight in the beginning of each match. And then as soon as uh, the opponent scores, then we fight even harder. Why send ourselves in a difficult position and make the opponent score first and then to get a reaction from us. Uh, I, I think our team should be able, I'm not saying that they should be like a top European club, but challenge the team and try to keep a clean sheet and make it harder for them in the first place. So uh, at the end of the first half, that's when Santos started creating more chances in the 45th minute. It was Mike on with a horrible miss really clear chance to just put the ball in. Casio was like shocked. Didn't even, move on either of his sides and it would have been an easy goal but again unlucky for Santos they weren't able to score from there but the goal came a couple minutes later I believe in the 48th minute of the first half Lucas Barbosa gives it a go and scores from far range and uh, a shot that I wasn't even expecting to go in the goal and then Casio sort of uh, got caught off position with the ball deflected and uh, things happened to be good for us as we tied before the second half started. Yeah, nothing Casio can do in that situation. It took a wicked bounce off the defender. I think Lucas Barbosa was, uh, you know, just as surprised um, as as Casio in this situation. Um it's great to see Lucas Barbosa, another uh, Menino del Villa, del Villa um, scoring. He was such a good, um, such a good player in the Copinha a couple of years back, and and he's looked 
very good in the in the professional team. But but yeah, Casio, nothing you can do there, and and he even knew it. Um, so but Lucas Barbosa so excited, and and he celebrated hard just as Yuri did. Um, and at this point, you know, I was thinking this is good, but you you got to feel that that Corinthians are gonna are gonna score again. Um, and so I really was not looking forward to this second half. And a lot of my fears were conform- confirmed. They uh, they started off the second half pretty poorly. Yeah, and it's uh, Corinthians who started attacking again even more before uh, compared to the first half. And something that we keep seeing again from Santos is defending set pieces. Uh, I think Palmeiras in that 3-1 victory scored two or if not all three goals from headers. And that's what happened in this game as well. Uh, it was a header from Gil and ball. the ball somehow falls to Roger Getz, who sends it in. Uh, the player who both me and you last year kept making fun of him for missing clear chances. And ever since, he's been scoring goals against Santos. So something that we didn't like seeing. Uh, a 2-1 mm, score for Corinthians. And that's what I thought. Okay, it's game over. Probably no more goals in this match. And if... There's going to be a goal. I thought it was going to be a third one for Corinthians, but somehow we got a penalty in the dying minutes and Marcos Leonardo was able to convert. So a 2-2 draw, it's pretty good. And I'm very happy we at least got a point in this derby match. Yeah, I mean, I I think everyone on Twitter at least was just ready to... uh, start their own personal pity party. They were start there. They were ready to curse the club the players the manager and just just hide um you know and and just 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 so ready to explode after some of the um lackluster performances um this season and then losing a, a game to our rivals here uh but yeah you're right we we earned that pen and Marcus Leonardo so confident so um, just he's got just excellent body language. You just have so much confidence when he's standing over the ball. Um, his posturing and and his um, his technique obviously have been have been great. And I you know I never as soon as we got that penalty and I knew I saw that number nine shirt step up behind the ball. I just knew that we were going to uh, uh, slot at home and um, tie this game up. So. A little bit of luck, but hey, you know, we've had plenty of bad luck this season. And, uh, you know, you got to feel like it'll regress to the mean at some point. Um, So hopefully that's happening. And I think that's now four games um, undefeated uh, for for Santos. Um, And uh, it's good stuff. And we can definitely build. Uh, Corinthians on the the flip side, they they look good as well. Um, I think... Um, they've got a really strong team. We saw Giuliano, of course, in the team working well. Um, and uh, who, who Fabian uh, said the other day um, was one of the most underrated players in the squad and, 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 and really was an underappreciated asset for Corinthians. So um, both teams, great game, really exciting. Um, I know Corinthians fans will probably be a little bit sore about the way this one ended, but uh for us, 
uh, you and me, Enric, I think we're pretty happy about that. And I, I think that um, it, it was a penalty. And and another good game from from Lucas Lima. I think uh, didn't get on the score sheet, but um, but I thought he was he was pretty decent for most of the game. Yeah, ever since he joined the club, he's been dropping really good performances, helping the team uh, either defensively and attackingly with connection, connecting the ball uh, from side to side. And it's helping the team a lot, creating more chances and something that I'm really surprised to see from him after coming back. Yeah, definitely. And I think uh, I was reading that um, I think it's all but confirmed that uh, Santos are going to sign him um, past the poly style. His contract was a short-term contract, I think, ending uh, in uh, April 30th. Um, so I think it's all but done that he's going to be a permanent part of this team uh, for this season, at least. So good news for us uh, if he continues to prefer, perform. Um, that draw puts us level uh, on points with Botafogo of Sao Paulo, uh, who we had the big grudge match, um, or excuse me, uh, who had the big grudge match with Sao Paulo next weekend, or I should say this weekend, we're recording this Friday night. Um, uh, and um, we, of course, uh, will face, uh, is it Ituano? Who, uh, um, yes. Yes, yep. Uh, in In what will be the deciding match, if we can make it to the knockouts. Uh, Corinthians on the flip side, 19 points, they're top of their group. Uh, no one's catching them as far as a group, um, as their group goes, and uh, they uh, they'll be um, they've already punched their ticket for the knockout rounds. So, um, some other results uh, again: the result that went our way, Agua Santa beating Botafogo, um, Guarani winning, uh, Palmeiras winning. Uh, but the surprising one, well, not surprising if you're uh, you're following Paulista, um, but on paper. Uh, from the outside looking in, Sao Bernardo beating Sao Paulo 1-0. Uh, Sao Bernardo, of course, the second best team in the division this year. Uh, 26 points just behind their group rival Palmeiras with 27. Uh, how surprised were you to see that result, Henrik? Well, as you said, that was surprised, but then in a way, not really, because we saw how good Sao Bernardo has been playing this season. I think if you look at the all six teams overall, their second... Uh, position behind Palmeira so they've been doing pretty good and I remember them beating uh, Corinthians a couple of weeks ago 2-0 at home but then now you, you're playing in Sao Paulo uh, away from home so being able to win 1-0 there is really surprising and uh, I'm excited to see what uh, uh, Sao Bernardo will be able to do in the next stage yeah and they've got that star striker that we talked about with Fabian as well um, Christian Barletta, uh, who's been leading the team and who's who's um, all but uh, I think it's a done deal that he's going to Corinthians after the poly style. Um, yeah, they scored in the fourth minute um, and had to hang on to that one nil uh, lead the whole of the way, and and they did. So they weathered the storm and, and good on them. They're a, they're a force this year in the Paulista. Um, all right, so let's move to Rio de Janeiro. Um, some games that are kind of going business as usual. Uh, Fluminense win on the back of Herman Cano's two goals. Vasco win on the back of Pedro Raul's two goals. Um, and then we had the big derby. Flamengo and Botafogo. Our, our, our buddy Pete was watching this one. Um, and Flamengo came out on top. Just the 1-0 uh, 
um, the one nil victory. Uh, Mateus Gonsalves scoring in the first minute. Um, and they hung on to that lead the whole way home. Um, and this is, of course, with, we'll get to it in a moment, with the Recopa matches on either side of this match. Um, so curious to hear your thoughts on kind of this week nine of uh, Campeonato Carioca. Anything interesting in, in your mind? Well, a very big match and a game where us as fans would have expected a lot of goals to be scored. And especially after the first goal that came in the first minute by Mateus Gonzalez, you would imagine there would be at least two more. And I think Botafogo scored at some point around the 77th minute, but goal was disallowed. And there were a lot of interactions between players getting red cards, yellow cards. So at the other, at the end of the day, it's just a normal week in Brazilian football, two teams clashing with each other. And although Botafogo wasn't able to win, I think uh, they're in a very good run and I'm expecting them to do good things in this uh, year's competitions. Yeah. And, and, Let's highlight some of those uh, interactions, as you so delicately put it. Um, yeah, there there was a lot of uh, a lot of back and forth between um, <clears throat> between some of the players, of course, of these 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 great rivals. Um, and one of them is actually going to have quite a bit of, um, unfortunately. Um, an impact for Botafogo. Uh, Chiquinho Suarez is is, uh, is actually going to be banned. Um, it looks like uh, for right now, uh, up to thirty days, which seems a little cruel and um, and harsh for his uh, his actions that would ultimately see him um, sent off. Um, our, our buddy Pete from Glorious Botafogo was was tweeting about it, um, and of course the uh, the Botafogo social media is. Um, it's up in arms, and um, apparently some of the uh, the judges are, are Flamengo fans, or so they claim. So um, who knows? It is Brazil after all, but uh, but yeah, Flamengo do pull out the win, and you would expect there to be more goals. It's unfortunate Chiquinho is going to miss at least some port of point, you know, por- uh, portion of time for Botafogo, but uh, we'll have to uh, we'll have to keep an eye on that and see if it gets whittled down from 30 days because that seems a little bit uh, excessive. Um, all right, so we just mentioned it, Recopa, um, Flamengo. Last time we checked in with them, they had just lost in Ecuador, 1-0. Uh, things were not looking good for them. Uh, but they ended up well, the result wasn't great for them, but it seemed like at one point it was going to go their way. So, Enric, what did you see in this game, um, and how did you look at them uh, and, and their match against Independiente, excuse me, Independiente de Valle? Well, another big match uh, in this week's uh, competitions and a game that... Flamengo uh, lost the first match of the Recopa, and you would for sure imagine that after losing the other two big competitions in the last month, they would surely win this one. And maybe it would have been a high-scoring game, like four goals for Fl- in Flamengo's favor, and it was completely the opposite. 
so many chances created and Flamengo players trying to score, but things didn't happen to go this way. A lot of fights, uh, Vidal, uh, Diago Maia, David Luiz, Varela, Everton Ribeiro all got yellow cards, including Gabriel Barbosa, and the same goes for Independiente. So that just explains the flow of the game, so many fights. And although how much they tried, Flamengo was, again, couldn't score, but the goal came very, very late in the match. In 96 minutes, Dera Scaeta uh, sends the ball in after Everton Cebolinha assists to him. But uh, the thing was, uh, Dera Scaeta was offside. So all the players were a little scared that the goal would have been disallowed. But since he didn't touch the ball, the goal was okay. And good for Flamengo, they were able to go to extra time. Yeah, like you said, I mean, it was just, it was crazy, the amount of chances and the possession. Flamengo had almost 70% of the ball. Um, They had 26 shots, but only four of them were on target. So they were creating opportunities. They couldn't get on target. Independiente were absolutely grinding them down. Like you said, they were pulling out all the tricks from their bag, playing physical, uh, drawing fouls, um, uh, taking fouls. So they were doing everything that they possibly could to just grind that Flamengo team down and to prevent that free flowing game that we're, we're so accustomed to seeing Flamengo uh, play. Yeah. And another thing that uh, I noticed during the match was Flamengo most of the time uh, in order to score, they were just trying to cross the ball and there was no way for them to penetrate the independente defense uh, through with passes. So that was the only way they could get a goal. And it's really shocking how a Brazilian team can't even get passed by or dribble past these players at this high-level round, like a Rocopa match. Yeah, definitely. Uh, they just, they, they were, they had one goal in mind, um, the Ecuadorians, that is. Um, and it was a shut, uh, shut up shop or park the bus as, as they say, but you're right. Uh, Eta did get that last minute goal. Everton Sabalina chipping in with the assist. Um, good to see him, uh, playing well, um, desperately want a resurgence in his a resurgence in his career. Um, and I'm, if he keeps playing like this, um, he, I'm sure will get it, but that meant it went to extra time and man, Independiente did not change a thing. They had one goal in mind, and that was to make it to penalties, um, which they did. And again, Flam- Flamengo just, they lost their nerve a little bit. Uh, they had all these great players that have all this experience. Um, and unfortunately, it was the goal scorer that got them in that position in the first place, just to get to penalties who ended up being uh, the, the lone penalty taker that missed um, the Haskaita went first and missed uh, everyone else. Um, in, uh, uh, David Luiz, Everton, Gerson, Gabriel Bravo. So they all scored. Um, and actually you were tweeting about this, Andre, you had a funny tweet uh, <laughs> about the Gabriel's stare down. Uh, at the keeper, I think you said something like, "That's his trophy," or at least he got that, or something like that. 
Yeah, I wasn't really a fan of what Gabigol was doing at that time because it's not that his team was in favor or advantage to winning the trophy. The goalkeeper, Argo or Santos, needed to make a save uh, to be able to stop Independiente del Valle. So it's really shocking how he went and just stared on the keeper and like hoped that something would go wrong in the next penalty, but didn't happen to be this way. And going back to Deras Caeta, him scoring the goal and then missing the first pen, I don't think that's the end of the day for him. Like, it's bad for Flamengo, but not so bad because it's not as, for example, Deras Caeta scored and Gabigol missed the uh, decisive pen. It's the same player that sent him through and then missed, missed it. And even the penalty was a really well penalty taken. And... It just uh, went to Ramirez's favor for him to guess the right side and be able to make an important save. Yeah, yeah. And that's just the way things go. Flamengo have been so good for so long and these things are happening. These things happen, I should say. Um, and again, we've got to give credit to Independiente de Valle. They came in with a game plan. They have great players. They have great um, uh, a great manager. They have a great setup in terms of their club and and how sustainable it is and how they uh, produce talent. So you got to give them hats off. Uh, just before we wrap this up, um, I know we'll talk about him probably in the weeks coming. Um, uh, you know, where does Vitor Pereira go from here? I mean, his team has not looked good at all this year. They've probably been overworked and and they've they're exhausted. Um, you know, uh, wh where do they go from here? I think it's the end of the era for Vitor Pereira, although he hasn't been here at Flamengo for long. Uh, it's probably best for both him and the team to get him fired and him either find the next club that properly fits his project and his uh, way of playing, the style of football, and then Flamengo hopefully, in my opinion, bring back Dorival Jr. He was a really successful coach for the team. And even Vitor Pereira, I think it would have been different if he had started maybe at a stage where there were not many tournaments, like finals for him to play, sort of get trained with the team originally and then see how things go and be able to play in the next rounds. So uh, maybe if uh, the Club World Cup was the third tournament that they had played in and he had lost, for example, the Recopa and the Supercopa de Brazil first, then I think at that stage he would have surely been fired by now. But since uh, he played the Club World Cup in the middle of these two other competitions, the board probably gave him some more time because, of course, even if they would have been able to reach the final and play Real Madrid, no team could win against that Madrid team in the Club World Cup final. Yeah. I you know, I I hope he stays around and, and and figures it out just because I hate to see all the manager turnover. But but you're right. I mean, and again, I keep bringing it up because you guys should go listen to the episode we did with Fabian from Corinthians in English. Uh, but he brought it up and he even said, you know, when he saw that they signed Victor Pereira, he had a big smile on his face. Um, because he knew it wouldn't work out. And unfortunately, it's just not working out so far for them in some of these big competitions. Keep in mind, they're still top of the table. They're still uh, in Campeonato Carioca. So 
let's not get Gary to, carried away. They're still a very big and powerful team with tons of weapons. Um, so don't overlook them. Um, all right. So let's just touch on some of the other action going on in and around Brazil and the continent. Um, Gaúcho Inter gets a win. Uh, big Derby in uh, Minas ends one all. Um, Atletico and uh, America both getting um, um, a point out of that. Um, uh, Copa do Brasil as well uh, getting underway and. Again, it's a lot of business as usual. Big teams going through, uh, small teams falling by the wayside. Um, any any comments on any of those competitions, Henry? Yeah, in the Copa do Brasil, something that I like seeing as always is looking at big teams go into the next stage and play against those big clubs like Corinthians, Palmeiras, etc. So one game that was really crazy. For many people to watch, probably as a Sergipe against Botafogo. Sergipe uh, scored in the first half, 1-0. And Botafogo were going to get knocked out of this competition. But the referee gives, I think, six or eight minutes of added time. And not only that, that amount of time gets passed by. And he lets the team, or Botafogo, attack for even more. And that's when they find the equalizer in the 96th minute or maybe 12 minutes at a time. I'm not sure. It's a lot of time that uh, was played after. And after that goal, everyone started fighting. The Sergipe president came into the field and tried to fight the referee. And it's insanely funny to see that in the pitch and what people would do if something's not going uh, on their side. So again, I'm really happy to see Botafogo advance to the next stage, but Maybe it would have been fun to watch uh, maybe a Sergipe side or any team from very low divisions advance to the next stage. Yeah, and and a lot of Botafogo fans on Twitter were very upset about um, about the way they played and and against such a small team. And yeah, they were just on the cusp, and um, it's. It's just one of those things that, uh, unfortunately, you don't want to ever accuse anyone of anything. And I think just this, this stuff like this happens sometimes, right? But it is very easy for Vasco fans, uh, Flamengo, the other big Rio fans to, to be, you know, say, oh, look at this. They just got gifted this and because they're Botafogo and, and everything's biased. And, you know, it... I guess we'll never know, but it is a curious thing. And also, yeah, the 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 scenes after that, and rightly so, uh, were were pretty insane. Um, although you never want to see that sort of um, that that sort of scuffling, and because you can turn into serious violence so quickly. So, so uh, crazy game, and just uh, very much an encapsulation of Brazilian football there, the good and the bad. Um, all right, uh, we'll touch on Copa Libertadores as well. Um, again, nothing too crazy going on here. In fact, what you'd expect after some poor showings um, in Uruguay and Venezuela, um, uh, I think it was last week or maybe the week before even, um, the Brazilian teams came home. They had their uh, qualifiers um, in their home arenas. 
Um, and Atletico and uh, Fortaleza go through um, pretty convincingly. And, and they will advance on to the, uh, uh, the third and final stage of Libertadores qualifying, um, where there's some bigger teams, for sure. Um, and uh, I think Atletico uh, have to play Mijanarios from, from Colombia, which is a big and great historic team. Um, so it's going to be interesting. Um, and uh, hopefully it'll be a little less straightforward, a little more uh, entertaining than, than these, these uh, second stage and first stage matches. Um, I don't know if you have anything to add there, Enric. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And hopefully... Uh... It seems like these teams, whenever they're playing, they're not really focusing on the first leg. They're playing harder in the second one, sort of what we saw from Atletico and Fortaleza drawing 0-0 to their opponents in the first legs and then crushing them in the uh, at home. So really happy to see uh, Brazilian sides advancing and hopefully they can make it to the group stage. Yeah, for sure. And, and just one other note, uh, Paulinho getting a goal. He's had a fantastic start um uh to his uh his spell here with gallo um it would be great to see him uh get back get his career back on track after his european move didn't really work out that well um all right so uh another big um event this uh just happened today friday um we had the first call-ups for the the national team uh before or after the world cup traditionally uh, this has been a time where, um, you know, the the thinking is this is a new era now. They're going to call new players, young players with lots of potential. They're going to mix it up, and and they definitely did. Um, so, um, Enric, just curious your thoughts. I'll just quickly run through the team. Uh, Ederson and Weverton, who I think everyone will be familiar with. Michael, who's an Atletico Paranaense goalkeeper. Uh, just won the U20 uh, World Cup, or excuse me, Copa America. Uh, Roger Ibanez from Roma, Eder Militao, Marquinhos, uh, Robert Renan, or Robert Hennen, probably is what it says, from Zenit, uh, Corinthians product, also played in that in that uh, winning team in the uh, U20 um, Copa America. Um, Artur as well from, from America, another player from that team. Emerson, Alex Tells, Hennen Lodi. Um, and then we've got Andre from Fluminense, another young prospect. Andre Santos, of course, just back with Vasco Gama, Vasco da Gama. Um, two more young uh, defensive midfielders uh, that are getting their first caps. Uh, Casemiro, Joao Gomez, um, the former Flamengo player, um, uh, uh, midfielder that moved to Wolves. Um, Lucas Pacata. Uh, Rafael Vega from Palmeiras, uh, Anthony, uh, Richarlison, Rodrigo, Vinny Jr., uh, Victor Roque gets his first call. And then we had the one I think that raised the most eyebrows, uh, Roni from Palmeiras. Uh, very emotional. Uh, good to see, a, you know, a, a very solid player in the Brasileirao getting to the cap. But I'm questioning that one. Enric, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this squad. Well, the call-ups are for a friendly. I believe they're going to be playing Morocco or maybe some other national team. But this is what the friendlies are meant to be, trying out different players. And why keep playing with veterans at these type of stages? Uh, try out different things. And I like how the current coach, 
or assistant uh, is uh, selecting a lot of players that you currently play in the Brasileiro or are very young. So I was happy to see Ederson uh, play for Brazil. I think Alisson is also a great keeper, but I feel like Alisson's time is over now, especially after the 2018 and 2022 World Cup. Like he's a really good keeper, but with Ederson, they're both, in my opinion, similar. So why always pick Allison to start and then leave Ederson benched? I think Ederson is a great talent and he should play more often for Brazil. Weverton, uh, I believe, is a little old. And after the last World Cup, that should have been his last match. And why not try out different keepers? I think you tweeted about João Paulo. So maybe giving him a chance to play the national team would be would have been good for both sides. Defenders, it starts with Ibanez. And this brings back the times when we first started the podcast, when we would mention all the talents throughout Europe, Ibanez and Bremer, something that we would always uh, talk about. And I'm really happy he got a call up and hopefully he shows what he can do for the national team. Robert Renan, uh, currently, as you said, moved from Corinthians to Zenit. Not really a favor of his move. Uh, it reminds me of Malcolm going from Barcelona to Zenit or Hulk from Porto to Zenit. All these players go to Russia and then they sort of get lost and maybe come back to Brazil. So it seems like a move there usually is not a really big step on their side, but hopefully it's different for this young talent. Emerson Royal, I think, is a player that maybe it's just a Premier League, but... I don't think he's doing good at Spurs. Same thing goes for Alex Dallas uh, with Sevilla, a team that's really been struggling in the league this season. And then there is a lot of young players, as you mentioned, Andre, Andre Santos from Vasco da Gama. Uh, all these players are young. Lucas Paqueta gets a call up. I would have wished to see uh, Joe Linton from, uh, or Bruno Guimaraes from Newcastle to play as midfielders, but maybe not in this match. Uh, hopefully in the couple of months they'll be able to come and play for the national team and as you mentioned Vitor Roque is also a, I'm really happy that he got a call and to show what he can do not only for Atletico Paranaense or for under 20 team but also for the national team I'm sure that he's going to be one of our number like the main number nines like Richarlison is at, at the moment and hopefully perform and give us a lot of goals and then lastly Roni uh, is a player that as you said again Many people are disagreeing on, but I actually like this. He's 27 years old and he's probably ha has like five, six, seven years in his career. So why not give him a try and see what he can do? Because everybody had a try. Going back to Fred or many other players that maybe I can't think on top of my head now, like in 2012, you would imagine, oh, why is this player playing or why is this guy not playing? But giving them chances now defines their career or what they could possibly do in the world cup or copa america so i'm really happy he got a call in this uh Salesau. yeah okay i like the different opinions i wasn't a fan but uh but you know we'll see what he can do and uh you know who knows who knows uh he could be the the one of the missing pieces um, yeah, I, I agree with you with Weverton and not to even be a homer about Joe Paulo. I think he does deserve it, but I think there's a lot of other keepers in Brazil that might, you might look at 
Um, you know, you look at uh, maybe even Santos from from uh, Flamengo. Um, and Bento. Uh, what's that? Bento from Atletico. Pernense. I was just going to say Bento. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think Weverton's uh, I don't really see the point in that. And yeah, I, I'm with you. I'd like to kind of think outside the box. Weverton doesn't really have a future in this team. Um, and uh, I'd like to see another young, young talent alongside Michael um, uh, from Athletico to, um, to, to compliment this team. Uh, a lot of people are saying, uh, you know, where are the Arsenal players, uh, Gabriel Martinelli and Gabriel, um, the defender, uh, both out um, a little bit of conspiracy uh, chat that, um, the uh, the powers that be at Arsenal were able to persuade powers that be at CBF to not call um, their players to uh, to uh, pad their um, their Premier uh, uh, their pra- their their Premier League you know title bid up um, no Pedro and no Kyle Henrique no Vanderson Vanderson so um, some snubs you could say um, but. Uh, but it is what it is, and I'd like to see these these young kids get a chance. Um, also, Neymar, injury update. He's obviously not in the squad, not going to be able or available to face Bayern either in, in PSG's match. Um, so really unfortunate. He's just had some brutal injuries just every time around this year. Um, and uh, something you didn't see at Barcelona as much um, has really been affecting him uh, at, at PSG, and it's really unfortunate because – uh, this is when you know he's meant to shine the most. Um, so uh, so it's really unfortunate. Um, and uh, we just hope that he heals as fast as possible. Um, any other snubs you you thought or any other uh, thoughts on that before we uh, move on to upcoming matches? Yeah, I wanted to mention Rafinha, current Barca player who was not called either. I think a couple months ago when Brazil played friendlies against Tunisia right before the World Cup, Tunisia or Ghana, uh, somebody on Twitter actually messaged or commented under either Brazil Editions post or Neymuleki and said, oh, Rafinha is washed. And one of these accounts responded by saying, oh, a player who starts for the national team how can you say he's war just because he's not playing for your club and you can really see how Rafinha has been playing for Barcelona as well like he hasn't really been dropping good performances every time Xavi gets him subbed off around the 50th or 60th minute although Dembele is injured so although he has the chance to show his his skills and what he can do with the ball still he's not really that promising player I was thinking maybe uh, this is going to be another scenario of that first year when Neymar came to Barcelona that he struggled. But I think Rafinha's case at the moment is currently worse. And I hope he doesn't end up at the end of the season leaving for another team. Uh, he already said he likes Arsenal a lot so and PSG. And he's probably showing that he's looking to move on and find his next club. And hopefully if he does, he gets better opportunities there and is able to play for the national team more often. Yeah, I I, I really hope so, because I, I think he's a great talent, and I love watching him for Barcelona. Um, and I'd like to see him, um, you know, do really well for the the Salasau as well. 
Um, also just wanted to mention, I, uh, someone had tweeted, a uh, a, a picture of the, uh, just after the 2010 world cup, the, the Brazilian lineup, uh, of this for the next friendlies, um, of course that would be, uh, you know, experimenting and it just brought back a wave of nostalgia. I mean, look at, we had Andre called from Santos, Andre, um, Balada, um, I know he doesn't like to go by that anymore. Neymar, of course, Gonzo from Santos, lots of names, Jefferson, the keeper from Botafogo. So lots of nostalgia here. Alex Pato as well, uh, Pato, uh, from Milan. So, um, kind of an interesting time and you kind of wonder who in this squad is going to fall by the wayside. Who's the next, you know, Alex Pato who might not work out or, or Andre for that matter. Um, and who's going to be the next Neymar that's that's really going to elevate this squad. So kind of fun to think about. Um, all right. Let's close uh, looking ahead. Um, some big, big matches um, in the coming. Uh, well, this weekend and, and the coming week. Um, lots of derbies, uh, lots of action and possibly the potential for lots of, uh, violence. Um, well, talk us through some of these matches and some of the important ones that have real meaning, especially in the Paulista. Well, it's the last week of Campeonato Paulista and this brings back memories from last year when, uh, I think we needed to win and there was another team that had to lose on the same time and brings back the times when we first started interacting with each other on Twitter. So <laughs> it's actually fun to see what we did within one year and what we have been achieving and trying to talk about different stuff in the podcast. So once again, Paulista week 12, really important week from San for Santos. Hopefully we get an easy run against Ituano and we need to win uh, to proceed to the next stage uh, because Red Bull Bragancino has already qualified and Botafogo from Sao Paulo will be playing against Sao Paulo and hopefully our opponent will do us a favor and win that match and we can possibly get the second place. Corinthians plays Santo Andre, Guarani against Palmeiras and that's basically the major teams in this uh, Campeonato Paulista Week 12. Yeah, and Ituano will be fighting for qualification as well. They're point off Salbento uh, for that second place spot in Group C. Um, all the other groups uh, are kind of locked off. Agua Santa and Sao Paulo going through. Um, we said it before, but Sao Bernardo and Palmeiras both going locked in to go through. So um, groups A and C are, are where those fights for second place are happening. Um, so... Uh, it's going to be interesting, and and Ituano and Santos both a lot to play for. Um, you know, a spot in the in the knockout round. So, uh, it should be a good game, and um, uh, let's let's hope Sao Paulo do us a favor. Um, so Alexandre, talk to your boys. Um, all right, uh, Carioca, some big games or some smaller games, and then we've got a big one. Who uh, that um, that I'm really. Curious to hear your thoughts. A lot of chatter, especially with the poor form that Flamengo have been in um, and the great form that Vasco have been in, um, uh, which I just gave it away. It's Flamengo versus Vasco. Uh, curious your thoughts on uh, on Carioca and especially that big, big match and that Rio Derby. Well, there's two things that could happen in this match. Either Flamengo 
comes back and disappoints again like they have been in the last couple of games or they come and uh, completely crush Vasco da Gama and I think if the first uh, one happens then uh, the current coach is absolutely fired right after the game and hopefully uh, it's going to be a good result for both teams. I like Flamengo, I like Vasco as well. I think they're going to be doing good this season and I'm going to predict uh, 1-1 final score for this match. All right. I like it. I like it. I'm I, I'm going to go a little bit more explosive. I'm going to go a 3-2 win for Vasco. And that could be just me being an optimist. But I, I think you're right. I think, you know, if I'm going to be wrong, I think I'm going to be wrong. Uh, and Flamengo is going to win like 6-0 or something like that. I think you're right. Like they're, you know, they're either going to stomp them or they're going to, uh, or Vasco is going to win. So um, I'm going to go three, two in favor of Vasco. I think Flamengo are, um, you know, they, they have a safe position in Campeonato Carioca. They've been getting, you know, ground down uh, by, by recent competitors. Um, even the match against Botafogo, they, uh, it was a grinding one, no win. Of course they had rotated, um, rotated their, their squad because, you know, the Rocopa game, but um, yeah, I think they're a little, you know, in their fields, so to speak, they're going to be a little down on their luck. And I think Vasco is going to pull off a win here. Um, Pedro Harul, uh, at least one goal. Um, and Andre Santos masterclass is, is what I'm predicting. Um, all right. Huge, <laughs> enormous uh, match. That's going to have hopefully tons of energy fireworks and a little bit. Of, I mean, not a little bit, uh, very much. So an edge to this game. We've talked about it, I think, for the last two weeks. I can't wait to see Luis Suarez in his first gray now. Gremio versus Internacional. Uh, what are your thoughts on this match? This is a big match, but also a big opportunity for players to fight. So my prediction will be Gremio probably advance or winning this game. I think they're the better side. And I'm also going to predict at least two red cards and six yellow cards in this match. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's these matches definitely have they always have that edge, and um, I'm definitely I would definitely say that there we're gonna have at least um, you know two red cards, probably towards the end of the end of the game. Uh, but it's gonna be great to see. It, it, it is um, Gramiar home, so the crowd is gonna be behind Suarez, probably egging him on. It's going to be awesome to see. And, and Gremio sit perched upon, uh, atop the table in uh, Campeonato Gaucho. Um, uh, and and they've, they've been absolutely on fire. Cristaldo, Suarez, uh, everyone is, is really in, in, in great form. And Gremio looked to be a big problem. Uh, but this is going to be a big test. Internacional finished second um, last year in the Brasil Real. Gremio were in Serie B. So um, it's going to be interesting to see that sort of storyline play out. But uh, at the end of the day, I'm going to go for a 1-1 uh, draw. Um, Gremio um, and Inter. The thing is, I think there's not too much to play for right now other than bragging rights. Um, so the intensity might just be dialed down a little bit. I think there may be more concentrated on you know, getting one over the other and being physical and, and kind of pushing and shoving rather than putting the ball in the net. 
So uh, that's my prediction. One, one, and uh, you know, a few red cards. Um, all right. So uh, some other um, matches, of course, Monero, um, all the big teams are in action. Um, but uh, another huge match that uh, probably one of the more underrated rivalries um, that uh, it, it happens in Brazil, Sierra versus Fortaleza um, in the Copa do Nordeste, uh, so or Nordeste, excuse me, for whatever reason that word really throws me. Copa do Nordeste, uh, Sierra versus Fortaleza. Uh, any predictions on this one? I think Fortaleza is a very strong side compared to Sierra and. Every time I see Fortaleza's name, it reminds me of when they crushed Rebel Bragantino 6-0 a couple of weeks or months ago. So I think in this game, uh, Fortaleza will also win. And I would say maybe a 3 or 4-0 win for them. Yeah, I'm going 3-1, but I I'd just echo everything that you uh, that you just said. Fortaleza, head and shoulders above Sierra. And, and anything can happen in these derby matches, of course, but... Uh, Sierra, their, their, their gem, their jewel is now on Santos, Steven Mendoza, of course. Um, so I think they're, they're going to have some trouble scoring and, and, and Fortaleza, I think are going to, is, is going to win, uh, three, one, uh, by the way, both those big matches, um, are, uh, taking place on Sunday. So, um, I, I don't know what you have planned for your Sunday, but you might want to find yourself, uh, a tablet or a TV or a phone and a place to sit because, um, those are going to be some awesome matches. Um, all right. Uh, we will just wrap it up. Um, Copa do Brazil is back in action as well. Um, Gremio, America, Red Bull, Bragancino, uh, Santos and Vasco all playing in the second round. Um, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Uh, all playing uh, Minnow E teams. Um, so it should be, we should be good for a lot of straightforward football and maybe at least one upset. Uh, but uh, you'll have to tune in next time to get the update there. Uh, for now, I think uh, we will wrap it up. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed this uh, second episode of the week. Um, and uh, thanks for listening. And we'll see you again soon. Thanks so much. <laughs>